You're listening to a sermon audio from the Branch Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website, www.thebranchatlosal.net. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend our services at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at the Los Alamitos Community Center. We talk often about how we're the branch and we're the Los Alamitos campus and then there's the Cypress campus as well that we sometimes go over there for different things happening and we'll be celebrating with the Cypress campus um, for the annual celebration. You'll hear more about that in a couple minutes and it's in your worship folder. Um, but there's also another branch. Like we're not the only branch. There is a other branch but that meets at the Cypress campus and we are excited to have them with us today um, sharing with us. We have been going through this series on miracles and looking at all the different kinds of miracles. Last week we looked at, it was Mother's Day, and we, we kind of touched on that issue of, of what happens when God doesn't answer the way we want. And um, we know that's a very real and challenging part of all this miracle talk. And, and so as we were planning this series and putting this together, it, uh, we were thinking through the different kinds of miracles, and one that, that thought we thought would be a particularly powerful opportunity for us was to have our this other campus is our Kamai ministry, Cypress Kamai Ministries. Is that, did I say that right? Cypress Kamai Ministries. Okay, yeah. Um, and so they are going to come share with us because they have stories where they have come from Cambodia in very dire circumstances at times, and God has rescued and delivered them and as we talk about healings of um, protection today, but that wasn't the case for everyone, and so it was, uh, it's a very challenging story that they're going to share with us today, and uh, we're excited for them. So if Pastor May and Brother Bo would come on up, I wanna, I'm going to interview them a little bit for our ministry focus, and then, yeah, so come on up, yeah, come on, don't be shy, I know you guys aren't shy. Um, and so, why don't you give them a hand? We, we appreciate them. And so you guys can argue over who answers what. We'll just do a real brief interview, and then I'm going to pray for them and our time in the Word. Um, but tell us, uh, Cypress Kamai Ministry, tell us a little bit, Bo, I'm going to start with you, because you, you've been there from the beginning. So tell us what it's about. Um, Cypress Kamai started uh, in February 6, 2011, which now is, what, seven years um, we were just thinking of how to reach the Khmer people, and Cypress Church was the place that we chose because it's centralized. Most of Cambodian is scattered, and Long Beach is where we focus trying to gather more people to believe in Christ. And since then, we started that church, and now seven years passed. So, and then can you share just the different roles you guys have? Okay, you got it. Okay, for me, I've always been serving in the Cambodian uh, uh, Cyprus ministry since the beginning, day one, until now. And also a year after, I have joined Cyprus as an elder. Since then, it's been five years being as an elder with Cyprus as well. So serving both uh, Cyprus Church and the Khmer and take leads in the Khmer ministry there. Part of my function is mostly not the speaking part, but on the technical side or the slide, the programs and the sound and photograph and so forth. That's uh, what I do in the Khmer ministry. We we could have used you this morning. We were a little panicked behind the scenes earlier, but we got it. We got it. We got our staff on it. And Pastor May, tell us how long have you been in the capacity of serving you? 
coming to Cyprus uh, six, seven months uh, ago and uh, been serving. So I, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have something to say. I'm, You're preaching in a few minutes. <laughs> I am under the shadow of his wing. Yes, yes, there we or go. Or maybe his wing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. And how can we pray for you, you guys in the ministry? Um, in the 80 and in the early 80, uh, there were uh, thousands of Cambodians who came to know Christ through the uh, love ministry of the local churches. And... Um, Today, they are not in church. Uh, we would like to reach them. Uh, and uh, we also are connected to Cambodian ministry and also Mexico. And some ministry that we do in Europe also. So uh, we really need your prayer. God had spoken to my heart to bring at least 100 adults into the worshiping uh, service every Sunday. And we're almost there. A- 80 more will be 100. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Beautiful. All right, let me pray for you guys. Uh, Father, we thank you for these men and, and, and their wives and the wonderful team that leads the Cyprus Kamai ministry. And we are grateful for how you have already used them through these many years um, to help people connect with you. Um, and we look forward to how you're going to continue to use them to grow that congregation to 100 and, and beyond, Father. Um, and we also pray, as there's so many Cambodians in our area who have been touched by the church but who have fallen off, and we pray for a revival in their community and that, that you would use this these men and many others like them because uh, not just one church can do it. And so we pray that you would stir their hearts and that they would be drawn back to you. And Father, we ask that you would stir our hearts as we prepare to hear from each of these men this morning. Um, help us to continue to remember to pray for them, um, but also to be inspired, encouraged, and emboldened as we know that you are with us in, in, in even our darkest times. We love you, Father, and we look forward to what you're going to do in this time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's how it's going to work this morning. Bo is going to take the microphone first and just share his testimony. One of our elders, Bo. Um, so... And Pastor May is going to take the time that's left over. So we'll see, you know, how that goes, right? So we'll see how much he leaves them. We'll see how well they get along afterwards. But um, I have heard wonderful things about Bo's story, but I've never heard the whole story. So I'm looking forward to hearing from that. And then after Bo's done, Pastor May will come and open the scriptures for us. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Pachet. Well, good morning, all. I hope everyone's uh, having a great morning so far. Yeah. Uh, again, my name is Bo Prom. I'm one of the elders in Cyprus Church. I have, a, I have the privilege to serve both Cyprus Church uh, and the Cyprus Khmer Ministry, uh, but mainly for the Khmer Ministry. Well, it's a blessing and honor to be here with you this morning. Um, this is my first time here at the branch, and I'm so glad that God's allowed me to join you today. Um, the time conflict. I was not able to join you since you started here, so it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I was asked by Pastor Justin and Pastor Mike to share a short testimony about myself and my personal story. Uh, it's really a story about a blessing, hope, miracle, and God's grace and redemption. 
You see, to me, standing here telling you my story is a miracle itself. Um, I will explain that in just a little bit, but first let me, let me sh- share with you about my family and myself. Uh, I was born in Cambodia in 1964 in a small village in Kampung Cham province. I, accept, I accepted Christ as my savior in December 1980. I'm the youngest of my other eight siblings in my family. I'm married to my beautiful high school sweetheart, Liana. She's sitting over there. It'll be our 30th anniversary this August. Amen. We have three beautiful children, Nicole, Emily, and Nathan. And now, as promised, um, here's my story. And I hope I can unravel this um, in about five to ten minutes. Back in the late 1960, in my village where I was living, life was normal and carefree as it one can imagine, but all of a sudden, life started to turn dark quickly, rather quickly. Our family felt the danger and had to escape our village. This was in 1972. I was only eight years old at the time. To Phnom Penh, the capital city, as the Khmer Rouge, the communist, started to occupy our village. So. I will not have time to leave uh, to, to give you all the details, the historical details, but I remember vividly on our escape that night. We began to leave late at night, and it was one of the most dramatic experiences I have. There was two drunken Camaro soldiers caught us on our route of our passing. I was so scared. And they threatened us to kill us. My sister, who is a year older than me, and I got so scared, and our family members told us to hide ourselves in the bushes. So we did. We dove into the bushes in a bunch of dead leaves. At this time, we didn't even think about the dangers in the bushes. There could be snakes, scorpions, and other creatures. In Cambodia, there's a lot of dangerous creatures. Um, But we were unharmed. How amazing was that? I also remembered during that time, my sister and I was just poured out our hearts, praying to the moon to help us. Of course, we didn't know at the time about our true gods, so we prayed to anything. I still remember, I still tremble in fear, thinking about as this memory as I'm telling you, despite of it happens 40 years ago. Miraculously, we were safe that night because my father, my mother, my brother, 
and two of our personal guys were able to negotiate with the two soldiers and they allowed us to pass through. Whew. We were so blessed. That was amazing escape number one. When we settled in Phnom Penh, which is the capital city, life was somewhat back to normal, but not for long. Only three years living in a capital, life became dark and complicated again. It was 1975. I'm sorry, it was April 17, 1975, on my birthday. That was the day, day, day one. Year zero, the beginning of new era, Cambodians declared by Pol Pot's the dictatorship. Year zero means you have been removed all the privilege of ownership, no technologies, no automotive, everything is turned to starting at year zero. The Khmer Rouge overthrown the governments then and took over the whole country. It was estimated that at least one and a half to two millions of Cambodian people were killed during that time. That was close to one third of population at the time was seven million people in a country no larger than the state of Missouri. This was done through a systematic killing Starvation, sickness, disease, and forced labor. I know a thing or two about starvation for four years. That's where I went, went through. The Khmer Rouge killed my brother-in-law. And my older brother who survived, his name is Sokka, survived the Pol Pots. But die of tetanus one day that he was sick in the morning and passed away at night. I witnessed that. I still remembered him. He was only then 18 years old. My other sister, Sir Paul, we were separated. We've never found her. She's missing since then, and we presume that she's deceased by now. I could have been included in that body count, but it was a miracle that God has saved me. Yeah. Hope and redemptions in January 1979, that's four years after that, after the invasion of Cambodia by our neighboring Vietnam, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge was fled to the jungles and their government was collapsed. You know, God has, makes everything happens at the right times. That's what I believe. There was a small window of an opportunity for my family to escape the second time. This time was, there was 11 of us. We have only five bicycles. 
that my brother built them from, just put it together from scratch. My sister-in-law was then eight months pregnant. My niece was only four years old. My mom was not in great health. And all the bikes were carrying foods, supplies for six days and six nights. Our decisions was to go to Thailand, cross the border. To cross the border and camp, this camp is uncertain of what our future will behold because we don't know. Throughout our travels, we risked facing many threatened situations. Some examples of the risks factors were robbers, the Khmer Rouge soldiers, Thai soldiers, Vietnamese soldiers, not to mention mines is everywhere. The dirt road that we took was restricted to keep us a very specific narrow path because if we sway left or right, we could set off a mine that blown ourselves up. This journey was, was very stressful and constantly fearing for our lives. But when we arrived to the camp, thank God again, we were unharmed. That is a miracle for us. And that was quite amazing. When we got to the camp, we ran out of food and supplies. As you can imagine, we would travel six days and six nights, about 150 miles from our village, carrying two to three people per bike. So now what, we said to ourselves. The only thing we have left is only our bicycle. So we started to trade our bikes for foods. After that last bike that we sold, we actually ate our bike till the last bike we had. After, we, after the last bike was gone, so does our hope. But a Cambodian monk from Thailand brought in this giant sack full of letters from family members who live abroad. Families in a different country were searching for their missing family. They were aware of the condition of our f- those four years genocide of and hoped to reconnect with them. We sift through those hundreds of letters and found one from my eldest brother, Sam who sent to look for us, how amazing is that? How God's timing is so perfect for us. The new camp then started to, 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 to start up a new camp, and, and um, this is a new camp that was supported by the UN. The camp that we previously ended up first was not. It was one of those, you take your own risks. And the new camp started, uh, open up, and the UN was providing uh, food and shelter, 
we were in dire need and what a timing that we needed. We were able to cross from that one camp that we got there first to the next. The Cambodian government sent my brother to the United States back in 1974 for Navy warehouse management training in Lackland, San Antonio, Texas. Since the country government collapsed, he was stranded in the United States also. But that was all God's planning, if you think about that. Since then, we basically were sponsored by our brother and my sister-in-law, Kim, to the United States, and we arrived here in August 1980. A brand new life begins since then. You know, throughout this journey, we experience what people may think is luck. But as I reflected on the events, I can see God's grace poured to our family. We were constantly put in danger, but he protected us in all those circumstances. By the time I immigrated to the U.S., I was then only 16 years old. God gave me the chance to develop a relationship that allows me to build the foundation for my family and I. We are so blessed to keep growing in God's grace, and God is great. We were saved by his grace. This is why it's a miracle that I'm standing here sharing my story. Thank you for allowing me to be here and share my story. And may God bless you all. Thank you, brother. Pastor May. Good morning. First of all, I would like to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my, um, as I was listening to the story, I didn't want to miss any minutes of, of my, my brother's testimony, but uh, my, my heart was racing and I, I've been running to the bathroom and come back and uh, just thinking of the time that I'm standing before you, it's like I'm standing before the king. But you, 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 uh, you are so graceful to uh, allow me to, to, to stand before you. Pastor Justin, I appreciate the opportunity so much, so much. And um, if I were to write a story of uh, how God uh, saved us, um, I probably can come up with about 10 to 17 episodes. <laughs> and uh, you're giving me 15 minutes <laughs> off. We're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> and um, again, what a privilege it is to, uh, to stand before you. And I, I'm, I'm humble. I'm, I'm honored uh, to, to share with you. 
And uh, let, let me just say this off the bat. English uh, language is not my, my, my mother tongue. I was born and raised in Cambodia, and English language still hit me every time. You know, when you say uh, uh, the light goes off, there's no more light. But when you say the bomb goes off and there's a bomb, you can see it. <laughs> it, it it's hard, you know. I was thirsty. I wanted to buy some water. And I go to the, uh, this machine that says zero water. I said, I want water. You give me zero? You know, it, it's, it's very confusing. <laughs> so you have to forgive me if, if, my, if my language is not very, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't convey the thought. But uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, at least uh, I can speak some, uh, some word. Before I br- bring the, uh, the word of God to all of us, uh, Joel, would you please start the slides with me? I'm going to take about three minutes because when you hear my brother talk about uh, the life of Cambodian people uh, passing through all of those paths, um, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty hard. When, when we talked about 1975 to 1979, we talked about a communist, a communist regime. You hear Pol Pot, who is the leader of the Cambodian communists, and you hear Khmer Rouge, they're the same thing. It's hardcore communists. So today, if you talk to me about communist uh, uh, philosophy, uh, we live through it. Joel, would you please um, uh, go, go through the slides very quickly? Uh, more slides. This was Cambodia uh, uh, during the, the fall of 1975. But go quickly. Uh, refugees fled, and uh, we... Uh, we lived through, hang on for a second, we lived through the three and a half years, or almost four years. It, is, it, it, it was a living hell. You don't know if you're going to live tomorrow or you're going to die tonight. And, and when bro- my brother talked about starvation, talked about sicknesses, disease, and talked about hard labor, I've been through concentration camp, let out to be followed by their secret agent because they want to know whether this guy is real and have been brainwashed for a communist uh, a regime to be able to, to use for their purpose and whatnot. I've been in prison in 1978, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite... Uh, in other words, there's no color TV <laughs> in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the Khmer Rouge uh, uh, prisons. Uh, keep going, Joe. I will stop you when I, when, uh, when I need to talk about something. Just keep, keep going for me, Okay. Hold on for a second. Today, if you go to Phnom Penh, the capital city of Cambodia, there's a museum that you can see the evidence or the remnant of what had happened for those three and a half years or so during the Khmer Rouge. Joel, give me one more slide. And uh, keep going. These are all dead. Keep going. They're all gone. Keep going, please. That's rated all. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. The high school was converted to a prison. Keep going, Joe, and uh, keep going. We have no time uh, to talk to you about uh, all of these things here, but the instrument for torturing is indescribable. Keep going, Joe, and the killing, you keep going. This is read at all. Please close your eyes if you can't see this. And, um, and uh, hold on for a second. Mass grave, some without head. That's what was happening during the Khmer Rouge. Keep going. More. Keep keep going, please. And uh, keep going. The picture will speak for itself. Please keep going. And the philosophy of Cambodian communists 
were to start everything from afresh. Well, actually, they want to kill all of us, starting a new generation. This is a refugee camp that my brother talked about. That's over bird eyes view. The next slide will show you um, the, the kind of house that we lived in. I lived there for three and a half years almost, and, and then moved on to the Philippines, keep going. That's like inside the house. One more slide. One more slide, please. And hold on for a second. So if I accounted all the years that we went through, it's probably about five years or so, if not more. And when we were accepted to resettle in America, these were the picture of my family. So the guy in the middle of the top row, that's not my brother, it's me. <laughs> my wife, Litana, sitting back there, my son to the left. I'm going to give a testimony if I have time about his life and the other four um, resettle to the new land, finding new life, but better yet, new life in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing thing. I mean, how can I describe to you all of these five, six years of terrible tragedy of, of our lives in 15 minutes? In fact, Pastor, with your permission, we'll bow down and pray we conclude the message right now. <laughs> Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, we can turn off the slide, but uh, 1984, April of 1984, I came to live in New Jersey. Lived there for quite a, quite a bit of years, and uh, when God called me to uh, live in California, no question asked. When God called me to go back to Cambodia in 1993, no questions asked. When God called me to Africa, I didn't ask him whether it would be a country that I should go. Nor when God called us to serve in Mexico, it wasn't a question. It was a mission. It was a call. And God continued to mold our lives um, for his glory. And again, standing before you, ladies and gentlemen, what a privilege it is to share with you. What a privilege it is. And... Um, I'm going to bring you the word. I don't want Pastor Justin to, uh, to be disappointed. <laughs> and um, we're going to speak. Now, listen, I have no intention to fit my life story or my brother's story into the Bible or, or, or bring the scriptures to fit my own life. It's not that. But when we talked about the Bible, sometimes we talked about ancient time, and we want to know what God is doing in the 21st century. So I'm going to bring a couple of things, and if it's not quite clear, invite me to your home. <laughs> Cook a good dinner. <laughs> <laughs> then we can really dialogue. Right, Pastor? We can dialogue. But listen, this is what the Lord this is what the scripture that the Lord had given into my heart to share with you. Second King chapter 20. Verse 1 says, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not 
recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verse 4 now. Before Isaiah had left the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. It will, I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. I'm going to pause right there and we can reiterate the story later. And you can also read the same scripture from Isaiah 38. So let us bow before we go into the word. Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit, this morning, Father, I pray that you anoint, anoint the word of your servant, anoint the message, and, 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 and let us hear what you have to say to us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. What do you think about the story of King Hezekiah? Was it a miracle? <laughs> Yesterday, my wife, my wife saw a commercial um, about the, uh, the, uh, the cl uh, cleaning agent. You know, you spray it around the toilet base there, and you know what happened? It, the, all the scum and everything disappear. And the word on the TV says this, it's a miracle. I said, if that's a miracle, you haven't seen or you haven't heard what the Lord had done all throughout the pages of the Scriptures and in the lives of the people today. What do you think of when you think about miracle and why miracle happened? Don't ask me how it happened, because I don't know. But miracle happened in the past, miracle happened today. But this, this is a great miracle. Can you believe this? Listen, King Hezekiah was sick. And it's not just a sickness that can be healed with antibiotic. The message of the prophet of God, Isaiah, came to the king. You're going to die. Someone come to you and say, you're going to die. What do you say? <laughs> Buy me an airplane and travel around the world? The message was that Hezekiah put your house in order. You're going to die. And here is another phrase that you may not want to hear. You will never recover. That was harsh, wasn't it? And after Isaiah delivered the message, he turned around, left the palace of the king, walked right through the, 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 the court. Before he reached the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him again. Because during the time that Isaiah left, King Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. Not only he prayed, but he also wept bitterly. That's what the scripture says. And while he was praying, Isaiah was walking out of the palace. The word of the Lord came back to Isaiah and said, you go back. You go back. You bring this message to my servant. 
the servant, the leader of my people, I will hear you. I will hear you that instant. And not only that, I'm going to hear you, I'm going to give you another 15 years to live. Wow. That's a miracle. And then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, how do I know? It's natural, by the way, it's natural to ask for a sign from the Lord. How do I know I'm going to be here? How do I know three days later I'm going to worship the Lord in the temple of God? And then he is the word of the Lord. God said it, and he'll do it. I love that. When God said it, it's settled. He'll, he'll do it. And Isaiah said to King Hezekiah, what did he say? Well, if you want to see the sign, you can ask the sign from God. Now, do you want the sun, the shadow of the sun, to go forward 10 steps? Or you can ask God to turn the shadow back 10 steps. I like King Hezekiah. He said, it's, it's, it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward. I don't have to ask. But to go backward, it'll take a miracle. And then Isaiah said, it will happen. The scripture says that Hezekiah was healed. The shadow went back 10 steps. And Hezekiah went to worship the Lord in three days. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, why miracle happen? Why do we need a miracle? Dr. Pearson, an atheist, made a statement that he never believed any miracle unless he sees it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was only a hallucination. And uh, Dr. Stephen said, so if God gives you a miracle, what will stop you from saying that it's a hallucination? But ladies and gentlemen, again, Miracle happened. We're going to talk about this a little bit in the next five minutes or so. But let me tell you a story. I have a friend. His name is Sabin, a member of our church. He's a bass player. He was diagnosed with lung cancer. Not just any lung cancer. Stage four lung cancer. The doctor says that he probably be living maybe a year, maybe to the, uh, uh, maybe 16 months. But ladies and gentlemen, the elder of the church, the pastor of the church, surrounded him, anointed him with oil, pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Five years going on to take to six years, Savin is still alive. If you want to meet him, go to Cyprus. I introduce him to you. He's still alive. It was an instant, but God answered that call. That is a miracle by comparison to the cleaning agent. You only have a year to live, and now he lives six years? It is a miracle. It is a miracle. Why miracle? And what, what, what? For what purpose? Now, I want you to notice, when miracle happen, there has to be a crisis or crises. And if you want to see miracle, I would not want to pray for a miracle, really. I want to pray for a miracle when that already has happened, because in the name of Jesus, he can change things. Prayer changes things. But there's crisis. What, what was the crisis of King Hezekiah? 
He's going to die. <laughs> what worse circumstances than you're going to die? <laughs> that was a crisis. And when circumstances cannot be changed by the hand of man, by the technology of the world, the living God can perform a miracle if he chooses to. And he does. If you, go, if you were to go to Africa, you would see miracles all the time over there. If you were to go to Cambodia, you'd see miracles all the time over there. But when there's crisis, beyond any man's ability, God will show up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the circumstance where there's no hope at all, there's an example of King Hezekiah. He turned his face to the wall, earnestly prayed for God to intervene. He will intervene. And uh, another piece that we need to look at is when miracles happen, when miracles happen in your life, it is from God and he received all the glory. When you hear the brother, Brother Bo, gave you a testimony, it wasn't even, there, there's, he didn't even describe how he went through it. He just told you that God brought him forth to, uh, to the point where God saved him and his family. But if you were to know all the details, your hair will stand on end. But, Again, it is for the glory of God. Because the scripture says this. For the glory of God. The scripture says that for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. God promised to David that the throne of David will be forever. And for his name's sake, God received the glory. You could see that when, when Isaiah came back, he said, uh, I... Uh, 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 Isaiah delivered the message to King Hezekiah. I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. And not only that, I will deliver your city and defend your city from the hands of King Assyria. By the way, Assyria is Iran, ancient Iran. And when God performed a miracle and when God wanted to show up, God wants to receive the glory for his name's sake. Another point that I want to point it out to, a miracle happened when God wants to demonstrate his existence and his power, when no man can do it. We may refuse to see the miracle, but when God performs it, he, he tells us, tells you, and he tells me, I'm near. Not only that I stand behind you, I'm with you. I am with you. Not only that I'm with you, I'm in you. And when I am in you, because I am in you, I am greater than he that is in the world. God performed a miracle because he wanted to demonstrate his existence and his power. Again, I cannot really explain to you what it is, but it is a phenomenon. Verse 11 says, Isaiah, Isaiah answered the, uh, uh, to the king. Remember, I, I talked to you about the, the sign. Uh, uh, Isaiah said, this is this, uh, the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. 
shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or go backward 10 steps? And Scripture simply says, then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back 10 steps. And there's a sign. There's his power. Skeptics may say that when, when, uh, when that, if, if that were to happen, the earth were to stop and throw everything in chaos. It depends on who your God is. And depends on how big he is. If he is a living God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, he could do it. And he sustained everything else in a normal pattern because he has power. You are looking at a person who was hot-headed, stubborn, abuser before he came to Christ. When I say abuser, Pastor Justin go like, We fled Cambodia at the end of 1979 to go to Thailand. Bullets, battles were waging from the Khmer Rouge to the guerrilla camp soldiers. I grabbed my wife's hand, my kids, my mother and my brothers, running through. We were running through the bullets. It was so intense that the leaves of the trees were falling down, mowing down by the bullets. But we were unharmed, not even a scratch. We went into Thailand, and not knowing that in the next three years or so, we'll be living in a double fence, more like a prison. I was bitter. I was bitter because now I lost my motherland I lost my culture. I am in a foreign land, and I do not even know what my future will hold for me. 1980, a group of evangelists, from homes to homes, from door to doors, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling the love of God to me right in my front door. Ladies and gentlemen, I abused the evangelist with words, scolding. I mean, everything that I could think of. I would say that you are a traitor. To be a Cambodian, you have to be a Buddhism. I mean, the whole nine yard. Whoever came to my door and tried to preach Jesus Christ to me, he or she or they would be facing a bad day. Because I'm not afraid to curse them. I call them traitor. One day. One day. I'm going to be done, Pastor. Don't worry about it. One day. I have a friend of mine. We set up a scheme. Our hearts and our minds and our scheme was to cheat the Christian. We said to each other, we want to go to live in America. We cannot be settled in this camp. There's got to be a better future out there. To go over there, we had no mean. So what should we do? Let's go to a Christian leader Pretend that we are Christian. Just pretend. And hopefully it will look good on our resume applying to resettle in America. 
So my friend and I, we went to the church where the center of Christian worship center. So that we went there. First thing, I was so surprised. There were about 500 worshipers. The church was not much of a, of a good building. It's made out of thatch and bamboos and bamboo seats and all. But because of the overflowing of the worshipers, they had to open up both sides of the church. But the wall, they, they made the wall to open up. And uh, the people sit there and sit all around uh, uh, the building. And uh, I went over there, I looked at my friend, I said, uh, are we in the right place here? <laughs> I was so surprised. I found a seat in the back. I was sitting there. For the next hour, Cambodian preachings are long. In the next hour, I was listening to this preacher. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Somehow, the Spirit of God touched my heart. I don't need somebody to tell me that I'm a sinner. I know I am. It's in here. It's in here. It's everything in my being. And then he was telling you about the gift of God, the love of God, and one thing that really struck me was that you don't have to do anything to gain salvation. There's a place, a wonderful place, not like in, of this world, and it's not like in this world. But you come to Jesus Christ, you will inherit the kingdom of God and eternal life. Eternal life. I lived through hell. I should have died ten times before that. And I heard the new message. And the only way to come to salvation is through Christ Jesus. At the end of the message, an altar call was given. People rushed through the alley and around towards the front. And the pastor asked them to kneel down and pray a sinner's prayer after him. I said to myself, I have pride. I'm not going to walk down the aisle. Many people will see me. No way I'm going to go to the front. The pastor said, you got to close your eyes, every one of you. And those who want to have salvation through Jesus Christ, repeat after me, he said. You know what? Something was pulling me. Something was pulling me. You close your eyes. And I did. And then there's a not audible voice. I wasn't crazy then. <laughs> no, am I today. It wasn't an audible voice, but there's a voice within my soul, ladies and gentlemen, Tell me to repeat. I don't even know what it was. We repeat after the, uh, the, the prayer of the, of the minister, and you will receive the gift of eternal life. I did. And while I was repeating, another voice that came to my soul and says, take off your sandals. The, the, the ground that you are standing is the holy ground. I took off my sandals, and I knelt down on the dusty ground. And that was the day the Lord Jesus Christ came to my life. Amen. I went home. I ran. I felt like there's no more mountain upon my soul and my shoulder. I went to tell my wife, honey, honey, I found God. But really, God found me. I was, my friend and I, we had a scheme to cheat the Christian. But in turn, God gave me eternal life. 
somebody take that clock away? <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I will not take much of your time because Pastor Jeff, uh, Justin will not pay me for overtime. <laughs> but, but, but listen to this. My wife looked at me as like, this guy must be crazy. Now, he is crazier. He was crazy before. Now, he's crazier. Um, there's a story. I married a widow, and I was an abuser to my, ch- my stepchildren and to her. But, you know, one year, my wife observed my life. And when Christ performed a surgery on me in my heart, there's a change. I didn't even know. But first, I was thirsty for, for the Word of God. It's like a dry desert land uh, uh, waiting for the rain. Every, every night, I studied the Word of God. For three years, ladies and gentlemen, in the camp, double camp, a double fence camp. But anyway, my wife looked at me and was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> you can ask her. She's sitting in the back there. <laughs> that young lady there, she's only 68. Bear me seven more children, so we all have nine, and now we have 17 grandchildren. So we're young, dude. I'm 21. By the way, come back. Come back with me here. So she observed my life for one year. She's seen some change, but then her heart was still on the fence. She didn't want to cross over. She didn't want to stay in the old life because she saw something good that Jesus Christ, our Lord, had done the surgery uh, uh, on me, and... Um, my son, the boy on the, on the, on the picture on the, on the left side, your left side. Oh, he's still there. <laughs> um, he's, um, he was very sick. I, I, I forgot how long it, 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 he was sick, probably a few weeks or something. And I, I, I spent a lot of money uh, to find healing for him. We went to the doctor, to the hospital, same medication. We buy any medicine that we can buy on the market. My son was very sick, very sick. Uh, my mother said that uh, my grandson's going to die. He's going to die. Uh, how sick was he when he went to the bathroom? His stool was full of blood. When he cried, his, his, his tears were mixed with blood. His nose come out with blood. His knees with blood. No hope for him to live. One day when all else failed, <laughs> sound familiar? I was kneeling down and I pray. I asked God, I said, God, I know you exist and I know you have power. If you were to hear my voice, I know you hear my voice. And if you answer me, I serve you. If you do not answer me, I serve you. But everything that I've done in life, I confess all of my sins, by the way. All of my known sins. Words, deeds, thoughts, whatever it is. And I said, Lord, heal my son's soul. I went to bed. That was the night that I slept so well. Next morning, my wife said, honey, our son has no more temperature. No more fever. And his ears, the blood was all dried up. No more blood from his uh, uh, in his ears, no more blood in his nose, no more blood in his stool. Next morning, our son was here. My wife gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ that Sunday. 
when God performs a miracle, there's a purpose. There's a purpose. There's a change. There's a change. Now, you may not experience miracle in your life, but if you see or hear a miracle, ask God, what is your purpose doing? God is an amazing God. Our family serve Him. It's not because somebody did a magic things over us. God revealed Himself and His power so that we may walk with Him. So today, if you want to send us to a country where you may die the next day, we go. We go. If no one else is going. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to leave that with you. And I want you to give God the glory and honor. And if God is saying to you today that something needs to be altered in your life, do that. And let me tell you something. For the past 30 years or so, we have not lacked of any evidence, evidence at all through faith that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, living God. May I bow to pray with you and for you. Father, thank you for giving me the opportunity again um, to stand before your people, your holy people, the one that you love and bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Father, again, take what we hear today and do a miracle in each and everyone's life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.